Good afternoon, Love everybody. That beginning part always gets me. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Jerry Steinberg. I'm your host on State of the U mm. podcast, episode four. And today we've got the whole new team uh, coming in to join us on the call. We're going to have Charlie Strouser. Uh, we're going to have Scott Salomon. And we're also going to have Mike Say on the call. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon, Jerry. Afternoon. How are you guys doing today? It's always a great day to talk about the Canes. All right. Doing great. It's sunburn after yesterday at spring practice, but. And uh, briefly, guys, I'll introduce um, who you are. Scott does a lot of our in game stuff. Um, Scott has covered the Canes and, and local high school football for the Herald. And uh, he's one of the great writers we have on staff. Uh, Mike is a specialist for us in terms of covering the Keens um, during spring camp. He does a lot of great articles for us as well, and I'm thrilled to guys have you guys on the call. Um, I'm going to jump right into today's episode, and unfortunately we have to start the episode a little, something a little bit sad. Uh, one of Keens' family passed away this week. Former safety JoJo Nicholas um, was involved in a wreck on the MacArthur Causeway. And uh, he did not make it through um, his second night at Jackson Memorial and passed. Um, we are dedicating uh, today's episode to his memory. And, um, Scott, I'll start with you. Um, I don't know if you knew JoJo or, or, or how well um, you know you knew of him, but can you give us a little bit about what you know about JoJo and, and what you'll remember most about him? Well, Jojo was a great kid. I remember that he always had a certain swagger about him and 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 a, and a smile. Every time you spoke to him, he he would always he would always have this smile that was infectious. No matter whether it was a twenty point win or a twenty point loss, he always seemed to find the the good in everything. And he he brought a, a certain level of tenacious play to the field that was really infectious as well. And uh, he he was a good kid. He, he he's gonna be missed by a lot of people. Uh, his his death his death hit me hard. He uh, he he was he was a really good kid, and, and and I just hate to see him go that way. It seems like every couple of years we we have some loss in the Hurricane family, and uh, unfortunately it, it was time again to to send someone up to the great secondary in the sky. Yeah, Scott, you're referencing some of the other losses we've had. You know, Brian Pata, Sean Taylor. Um, it does seem like far too often, you know, all of us in the UM family do have to, you know, say goodbye to somebody a little bit too soon. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I echo your sentiments on that. Uh, Mike, you were at uh, Kane's camp yesterday uh, for the first day of spring practice. What was the mood like at, at camp? Was, was JoJo brought up at all or? Yeah, um, well, first off, um, his, I believe it was an uncle of his happened to be there just kind of taking it all in, and you could just see that, you know, it almost looked like there was just something trying to, you know, something familiar as far as JoJo, you know, being around the team. So that kind of immediately, you know, reminded you, you know, and brought you you know, feeling of his presence there. And then uh, when we got a chance to talk to Coach uh, Golden a little later on, you know, he, he became emotional um, talking about, you know, JoJo was one of the, uh, you know, first players to really, you know, embrace him, um, you know, uh, as a leader and, um, you know, made his transition coming from, you know, the guy from up north um, coming to take over Miami, you know, made it a lot easier for him. So, you know, you could tell that, you know, football aside, it was just, you know, a big loss to him. So, yeah, definitely was um, for spring trying to be a, uh, you know, a new beginning of this season. It was definitely a, a bit of a somber feel with, you know, the uh, between JoJo Nicholas and uh, Hunter Knight in, in the hospital. So, yeah, definitely a presence there yesterday. Uh, yeah, and for those who hadn't heard, Hunter Knighton, who is, uh, I believe, going to be a sophomore this year, 
um, offensive lineman on the Canes uh, uh, collapsed after an off-season workout. Um, the school's been really tight-lipped about the cause. There's a lot of speculation. Um, we are not going to get into that uh, here today. We'll wait till we get official word to go further, but certainly uh, along with uh, sending our prayers and best wishes to the family of, of JoJo Nicholas, we were, were definitely keep our fingers crossed for um, Hunter Knighton and his family as well. Um, getting back briefly to, to Nicholas, uh, you know, being an avid supporter of the Keens and, and watching them over the years, uh, Nicholas was not a guy who initially, uh, you know, caught your eye as a big-time prospect. He was a three-star guy coming out of Homestead, um, who I believe was down to Rutgers in Miami when he chose to come to the U. Um, so he was not, you know, a huge prospect with the team. Um, he worked his way up the depth chart to become not only a starter, but one of the leaders of the team. And he, he played well enough his senior season to get a long look from the New York Giants. So for some of your less touted guys, he's definitely a role model of uh, how to work your way up and, and become a great player at the U, even if you're not, you know, a five-star guy that that comes in with a lot of, with a high profile and a lot of hype. But okay, guys, um, I want to move past all that. Um, we certainly wanted to do the right thing and give JoJo a tribute here today. But I'm sure, you know, our group of listeners would like us to move forward, and, and we're going to do so, and we're going to start talking about spring ball next. Um, Scott, uh, looking ahead to Miami spring practices, um, with the exception of the quarterback position, which we're going to talk about a lot, what do you have your eye on from UM this spring that you think are some of the key storylines? Well, one of the storylines we're not going to see this spring is the backup running back position. Uh, with with, with uh, Joseph Yerby not being able to participate, um, I think that there was going to be a tremendous amount of logjam back there, which is good, which is what we want, and we wanted to see who was going to emerge. But we're probably not going to see that until the end of the summer ball. I'd like to see the competition between Yerby and Crawford. Uh, you know, they say that Dallas might be moved to safety, but in the spring prospectus, they still have him listed as running back, probably because of the injury to Yerby. But at some point, I think we're going to see uh, Dallas move back to safety where he's going to be able to get some more reps. And, and Scott, you're actually uh, jumping ahead to what was going to be our next segue. Uh, <laughs> we're going to definitely get to Dallas Crawford. Uh, what, what do you need to see from Gus Edwards and Walter Tucker to feel good about those two guys? Walter Tucker, I need to see something. Uh, you know, We really didn't get to see much last year because of the injury and because of his status as as a freshman, and he was just stuck behind some quality players. But we really need to see what he can bring to the table. Gus, I really like. I think he's got some explosion off the ball. He's got a really quick first step. I think he hits the hole real well. Uh, I think that if I had my druthers to have either him or Dallas back there, uh, I, I would rather see the bus back there. I think that he's, you know, he, he's the bus. I mean, he, he hits that line hard. He can get to the second level. I think he's a quality football player. I think that he's he's everything that you're going to be looking for in in a big back. You know, he's the guy that's going to get you the first down on third and one. I I agree with you there, Scott. And and when I watch him play, he's kind of reminiscent to me of of a guy that I watched in the '90s that made his way all the way to the Super Bowl with the San Diego Chargers, Chargers, and Natron Means. Uh, that that kind of big back that has the quick, nimble feet. Um, it's not easy to come by, so I'm I'm with you on that. I really want to see more from Gus. And, you know, year B is, is a lot similar to Duke Johnson than, than Buss is, so, you know, he gives you that element of a big back that can really move the pile. Um, so I'm looking for a lot out of Gus. Um, I might be... Like, I might be oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Scott. I might be dating myself a little bit, but uh, he reminds me of a guy that I went to school with by the name of Alonzo Highsmith. Yeah, that, that's a heck of a of a comparison there. Alonzo Highsmith is one of the better running backs in the program's history. Um, if he does half as good as Alonzo, that, that'd be tremendous. One thing about Gus is he's, he's also learning how to block. And if he can add yeah. that to, 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 to his repertoire, like he has the last part of the season, and especially in the bowl game, 
I, I, I think it's a comparison people might be able to make later on. Yeah, and he has to show us that he has the, the soft hands, maybe not of, I mean, Alonzo maybe didn't have as good a hands as Melvin Branton, let's say, but Alonzo can catch a little bit too, and uh, Gus has got to work on his all-around great game, I agree. I mean, he's got to show he can be a complete back to, to earn the trust of the coaching staff. Um, Mike, how about yourself? Um, heading to spring, obviously, you know, you're in the privileged position that some of us envy where you can actually go down and uh, head to campus and, and see some of these guys in person and, you know, hang out with the likes of uh, Susan Miller-Degon and Manny Navarro and <laughs> Red Elbows with the big league. Uh, what are you looking forward to this spring? What, what do you think are the key storylines for this team? Um, first off, you know, obviously the quarterback, you know, position is vacant with uh, Stephen Morris going and graduating. Um, so that leaves Brian Williams and uh, Kevin Olson. And, you know, that seems to be – I would be shocked if uh, Ryan Williams wasn't, you know, the starter – you know, going forward, um, the start of camp yesterday kind of confirmed it. I mean, the only shot was, you know, if Olsen came in and just completely wowed everybody, you know, and has been, you know, during the downtime, you know, and he, he seems to be doing great, but just, you know, not nothing elite. So, you know, that's probably, while it's still going to get, talked about, you know, throughout the spring and going forward, you know, that's not, that's probably not as big of a story as some of the other, you know, positions um, as far as, um, like you guys just talked about with Gus, um, you know, there's really no better position for him to be in than to, you know, get reps with the starters throughout the entire spring camp. So he's going to either show that he has what it takes, you know, to be up there splitting carries with Duke Johnson when the season comes around, or, you know, we'll also know if he's, you know, not able to. With uh, Tucker, you know, he's ultimately going to be the fullback when the season rolls around, so you just want to, you know, see him, you know, learn blocking all, you know, get familiar with the uh, running with the offense and the starters, so, you know, that's also good for him, but the uh, other big things are some of the young guys. Um, I know with uh, Casey McDermott and Trevor Darling, I saw them, you know, getting reps with the team line. They they looked apart. Um, you know, it wasn't full on. You know, they just ran some eleven on eleven drills for a bit, and um, you know they were holding their own. They looked good. You know, for the first practice. Um, so I would be, you know, I would be getting used to seeing them getting rotated in with the uh, first stringers um, as time goes by. So, but right now, a lot of the position battles are kind of skewed because there's at least 12 names that, you know, are on the injury list. So it kind of, you know, you want to see who's jumping up at linebacker, you know, some of the defensive tackle spots. And you know, also in the secondary, but you know, when you got twelve names of, you know, starters from last season, you know, it kinda kinda takes away from, you know, full black jersey watch or green jersey watch, you know, where you see the defensive starters and secondary, you know, proving themselves from day to day. So Mike, I gotta ask you a follow up question. Uh last season the week after Denzel Perryman dropped an interception in, in week one, you asked him about it, and you aggravated him. Do you plan on aggravating Denzel at all this year? <laughs> did you did you see the pictures of him yesterday? No. Um, I will be uh, staying away from that man. He's pretty much a uh, brick house at this point. Um, he's obviously not been slacking off with the uh, – with being a new father, so that that didn't translate at all. Uh, so he, he's, for, for he's our listeners out there, Denzel is actually a great guy. He's not going to kill Mike anytime soon. Yeah, no, so, he has a he he's funny. He's one of the more uh, animated uh, guys on the defense. So he he's uh 
but he's he's been working out. So there is some talk of him moving to inside linebacker. So that bulk may have been for a reason. Yeah, yeah, that that'll be an interesting development. Uh, let me take a second away from this question for a little production note. Uh, one of our other staff members has joined the call, Charlie Strouser. Charlie, say hello to everybody. Hey, hey guys, how you doing? Hey, uh, we're doing great. Good to have you. Uh, Charlie was late, so when this call finishes, he's going to have to do 25 push-ups and three laps. But uh, <laughs> we're thrilled to have <laughs> Charlie does a lot of our inside work with basketball. He also wrote a, a great article about a year ago about uh, why Miami needs their own football stadium. And, and we're going to talk about all the things with Charlie um, as the show develops. But, Charlie, uh, I think at the spring practice, what are you looking for? Well, I really want to see what happens, you know, at the QB spot. Obviously, Ryan's the favorite going in there, so I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, how much of a competition, you know, with Brad coming in from the West Coast, and you got Kevin there as well, Kevin Olson. I'd like to see, you know, how that competition plays out. That's going to be probably the most intriguing storyline, I think, you know, as the guys were saying, kind of heading Charlie, into the fall. Charlie, uh, you think Brad coming in in the fall, you know, he's not here as an early enrollee. Do you think he can compete? Or, or do you think we're probably looking at more Brad Kaya next year? I think I think Brad's probably a little bit late to the game because he's not going to be here for the spring. But from what everything I hear about the kid, he's a fierce competitor, and I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, he gave Ryan a run for his money and Kevin too. So I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the fall. But he'll be, definitely be behind the eight ball a little bit going into into fall practice. Okay. Charlie, I'm, I'm glad you're on here because the next thing I'm going to talk about, we're going to transition a little bit from our discussion um, of spring ball. And, and guys listening, please keep an eye out. Mike's going to give us daily updates when he has, when he has you know, chance to get to practice. Um, but I'm going to move forward a little bit and talk about hoops. Miami played perhaps their, you know, most complete game of the season yesterday and, and really took care of NC State on the road. Charlie, what did you see from yesterday's team that allowed them to be so successful? Well, the key there was, you know, every time, you know, you know, Coach L talks about having, you know, contributions from guys, you know, on offense. You know, if you basically said if you can have two guys, two or three guys in double digits uh, scoring, you've got a pretty good shot, uh, given the style of play that we play, to win. Yesterday we had five guys in double digit scoring. I mean, Ryan had 20. Uh, Eric Swope and uh, Manu had uh, 15 each. Uh, I believe Gary's had 16 and Tony had 14. So, I mean, when you have that kind of distribution of the ball on offense, um, and you kept your, you know, I think they kept the, t- the turnovers to like 12 or 11 uh, in the game. Um, that just shows that you know they really were distributing the ball well. Every win we've had this year, when you look back, um, it's really where they, we've played kind of a, a very patient game, waited for our shots, moved the ball around, uh, made a lot of passes before we took shots, just not rushing things. You saw within the game kind of a microcosm of our season was when we had the eight or nine point lead, and all of a sudden they went on a little run as you say to to take the uh, the one point lead. We were starting to rush things again. We were getting sloppy. The composure was going down the drain, and all of a sudden we called timeout. And it's like, all right, guys, calm down. Let's get back to what we were doing successfully, and they did. Charlie, they actually finished that game I think on a twenty-two to five run. And uh, there are so many games earlier in the year where they were right in it, you know, with the likes of Syracuse and, you know, pretty much anybody they faced, uh, with the exception of the Duke game. Um, and they just couldn't finish down the stretch. So so I, that was a great progression for me. That's a great sign of an improving team that they're able, able to finish so strong. Um, which I'm going to ask Scott real quickly. Scott, do you have the opportunity to see Miami in person against Syracuse and Duke earlier in the year? Um What's the difference between the team now and the team then? Well, I think that since then, uh, Coach Laranega has gone to the senior lineup, which I think brings in more leadership, and he's got more experience on the floor. And I think the team is just playing better. You know, a lot of the mistakes that they made against Duke, they didn't make against Syracuse. Uh, A lot of the mistakes they made against Syracuse, they haven't been making the last couple of games. Um, you know, my my expertise is more in football, but I, I followed this team, and, and they seem to be improving. And they seem to be, be be playing a lot better than I anticipated 
them to play this season. I didn't think they'd be able to scratch out 15 wins at this point in the season. Uh, they're, they're playing good basketball right now, and uh, I'm a Laranaga believer. Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up. I, I had a good conversation on Twitter yesterday with uh, Andrew Jones, who covers uh, ACC basketball for Fox Sports South. And uh, Andrew just had incredible things to say about Coach Laranaga. Um, I asked him about this year's team, and he gave full credit to Coach for, you know, getting as much as he's gotten out of his team. And when I asked him about next year's team, he said, well, we got to see how the transfers do. But he's like, if there's a coach that could get the most out of him, it's Coach L. So, I mean, to me, Laranaga might be doing his best coaching job ever, including the time he took George Mason to the Final Four and including last year's team that won the regular season and tournament championships. I mean, it's it's beginning to become kind of like a broken record here every week. We come on and we talk about how good Coach L is, but, I mean, there's reason for it. Well, take a step back, too, and think about, you know, we really only had seven guys – to work with this year, you know, with the, when DeAndre went down with his second injury, that really I think put us behind uh, a, a really big obstacle um, that, for the season. I think that, that really um, was a major blow to us because when you got a guy who was scoring 35 points a game in, in high school, who could have actually contributed pretty well to us. You think about some of the close games we lost, and some of the games that we've been in uh, for the most part. I mean, that could have been a big difference. So I just kind of you know. I hate to play the what if game, but you know, I think it with uh, hey, if DeAndre you're gonna play the what if game, I'll do you one better. Yeah. Let's play the what if game. What if Shane Larkin came back? I, oh, yeah. I think this team in, in the upper third of the ECC with Shane Larkin would have closed out some of those games. But I mean, Monty's done a great job, but Shane Larkin would arguably been you know like an All American coming back this year. So, I considering you know they weren't anticipating Larkin leaving early. Like you said, the injury to DeAndre, I, I think the team's really overachieving. Well, I think what you've seen with Manu, too, which it showed yesterday in the game yesterday, I thought, with his confidence of shooting, was that I think playing against Angel Rodriguez in practice every day, you know, one of the top point guards in the nation, you know, uh, out of Kansas State when he transferred, you know, I think that's really helped elevate his game quickly along the season here. And, you, and I think you've really seen him mature quite a bit these last, like, five or six games now. Absolutely. And uh, another guy I think that we, we definitely need to mention briefly is Eric Swope. Um, the guy's mm-hmm. averaging 14 points per game over his last three. I, I don't want to talk too much about Eric because I'm working on a feature that's going to come out tomorrow on him. But I, I think we have to give him some props because he went from being a seldom used reserve to one of the, arguably the top three players on the team the last you know handful of games and just playing mm-hmm. out of his mind. He's this year's comeback player of the year. I mean, last year Julian Gamble was our guy. This year Swope is definitely the guy. He's been playing out of his mind the last you know five or six games or so. Really has given us kind of a, a great energy on the court. I think he's figured out driving the lane is probably a better uh, option for him than trying to you know look for an outside jump shot. And he's really just uh, I think done a great job. That's off. Yeah, and silly me, a couple of years ago, I had a chance to uh, interview him, and I asked him if he wanted to play football because you know, he's just got a natural you know, body for football. He's a fantastic athlete, but if he continues playing this way, he might get a chance to play professional, maybe not in the NBA, but overseas someplace because he's really showed out the last couple of games. So, all right, I'm going to switch forward here, guys. I know, uh, Charlie, you know this as well. The majority of our listeners and readers – uh, care much more about football than basketball, so we're going to push forward. Uh, we're going to talk next about a subject that uh, Scott alluded to earlier, the potential move from from uh, running back to safety of Dallas Crawford. And, Scott, I'm going to start with you since you touched on this earlier. Uh, would you rather see Crawford at running back or safety, given your choice? I'd rather see him at safety. I think that's what he came into the U to play. I think that he was an outstanding high school football player at that position. Uh, I, I think that his prospect for playing time is going to be a lot greater at safety. Uh, I, I think we've got an opening back there for him. Uh, I, I just think we're too talented at the running back position right now uh, to waste reps on waiting for Dallas to be able to get into to to play the 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 back of running back position. You know, he's entrenched on all of the special teams. That's a given. 
the question is is when you're 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 playing offense and defense, where's he going to be able to get the most playing time and I think that's going to be at safety, and I think that the competition in safety is going to allow it self to progress to where we're going to need him back there. Yeah, I mean, you look at how Miami tackled on the back end, uh, how many blown coverages they had during the season. Um, I, I think their defense needs help more than their offense. I look at Dallas, and I see a guy who doesn't have that breakaway speed. I think he's a, an excellent running back. He scored 12 touchdowns this past year. But I look at the 4.1 yards per carry, and you know, I argued with somebody online the other day about this. They said 4.1 is not that bad. But I, I think Duke was at 6.2 and Gus was at 5.1, and our offensive line was ranked the 12th in the country by Football Study Hall. 4.1 is not that impressive considering how good an offensive line and you know the type of hole that they're able to open. When you look at him, and the one thing he does, he breaks tackles, he runs hard, he plays hard, and I think that type of personality transitions better to defense. So, uh, Mike, how about you? Uh, do you agree with us, or do you think? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree with uh, he. He would suit us better in uh, the secondary because um, just taking his, you know, if you just transfer his playing style over to the defense, you know, that's kind of exciting. Um, he he showed everything that he can last season. Um, he could do at running back, so I think overall, you know, it's. It, it will work out for him better as well because I think, you know, there can be a potential upside of um, something like a Sam Shields to where, you know, an offensive player that switches to the secondary, you know, and might have a higher ceiling. So potentially, you know, going to the next level, getting on an NFL team. But just for us... Um, Mike, I don't mean to you cut you off, Mike. But it's interesting you bring up Sam Shields because I thought he had a terrible senior season for, for Miami at defensive back, and now he's practically a pro bowler at cornerback, which is which is amazing. I, I don't know if that's an indictment on the previous coaching staff or what, but but yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, uh, maybe maybe the extra year with switching Crawford a little bit earlier instead of switching him his senior year will make a difference. What do you think? Yeah, uh, well, coaching probably because you've seen that a couple times there, but um, in the year, you know, an extra year, uh, you know, couldn't hurt. So, you know, getting him over so he can start to, you know, lay a foundation. Watching him out there with the, you know, he was running with the second team guys. He looked, you know, he looked comfortable. He looked like he belonged out there, Um, you know. Besides seeing, you know, 25 with dreads hanging down, you know, you would have, you know, you would never think that he was a running back, you know, just a couple weeks ago. So, you know, Golden said that, you know, they constantly evaluate the team to try to get the best 22 out on the field, you know, with Duke Johnson and, you know, some of the other guys that running back, you know, he's not hopping them. So if he can, you know, in the secondary, then, you know, I am all for it. Mr. Strouser, what are you yes, looking sir. for? In the spring, from the secondary, with or without Dallas, what do you what do you think they need to do? Well, I think you know the key is going to be you know is Deion Bush you know back to 100 percent, and will he be you know fully conditioned to to kind of hit the ground running starting the fall? I think that's going to be a big key in the secondary. Um, you know, you're going to have guys like Tracy Howard going into third year now, so the you know their their young the young inexperienced tag isn't going to apply as much as it was. So I think we're going to have a lot more experience and leadership back there. Um, I think, you know, Dallas moving back there is a good move because it gives us more depth there as well. You can always move them back to running back if we need, you know, if something happens with injuries or something like that. You can use them as a uh, kind of a special package on the goal line. So I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be surprised to see us, you know, continuing to kind of use them as that, that kind of backup option going forward. So I think given all the depth we're getting now back at running back with the year being Duke and Gus, it made some sense to probably just, you know, have a guy who's a strong guy who's got a good football IQ kind of back out there getting some minutes. Uh, one yeah, more I, note I, Sorry, one more note on Sam Shield. I don't know if you saw this yesterday, but uh, he's heading to free agency apparently. Uh, they negotiated with him at, at Green Bay. They may franchise tag him, but at this point it looks like he's going to be a free agent and uh, probably get himself a nice little payday. Yeah, I mean, there are times where he looks like a, a pro bowler out there, which is remarkable to me. Uh, we, we used to joke, me and uh, Josh Kaufman, who's also on our staff, used to joke when a defensive back 
would run, you know, down the field with a wide receiver and not turn around to make a play on the ball and face guard and get called for it, we'd say, hey, he just pulled the Sam Shields. He Sam Shields did. But now that guy is looking like, you know, top one-third at least of corners in the NFL. So it's, it's, it's remarkable, his progression. It's a shame they didn't use him more wisely at UM. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't tell you how many how frustrated it was over the last years. You know, seeing our our cornerbacks and defensive backs just not turn around when when clearly the ball's heading their way. It just was so frustrating. And with the way the NFL and also now college has evolved, you can't face guard. You just can't do it. You get called. It's an automatic call. Yep. You have to make a play on the ball. So that's for sure. All right. Uh, Scott, getting back to you for a second. Uh, we've talked defensive back, we've talked quarterback, we've talked position battles. Um, I know you're not a big recruiting guy, but but who are some freshmen this year that you're going to keep your eye on? Uh, I'm actually still looking at Brad Kaya. I've been talking this kid up all year. And uh, depending on how my, how Miami season goes, if it starts out a little rocky for Ryan Williams, I, I see Captain Hook coming in and uh, Brad Kaya coming in and uh, and taking over some reps. I think wow. that I think that if Miami does not start out fast and they don't get out of the gates quick, I think that uh, a lot of fans are going to be calling for Kaya or Olsen. I don't know if Olsen's got the, the the draw that I think people are looking for. I mean, he really hasn't proven he really hasn't proven anything in the time that he's been here. Uh, and I just think that with with all the fanfare that that that, that Kaya received. Especially, you know, being offered by USC, being offered by UCLA, still coming to Miami. I just, I just think that with if everything was equal, which I don't think it is, I think Kai is a better quarterback from what I've seen. I, I think that uh, he he might be a freshman starter at some point during the season. Well, Olsen was brought in. He was one of the top quarterbacks in the country too, but he just hasn't shown maturity like some of the other guys have Correct. done. And I think that's that's the key is that. If he's matured enough, where he can say, "Okay, I'm serious, I'm focused, let's get let's get it on," he might be a guy that would keep an eye on as well. Yeah, to Charlie's point, they didn't bring Olsen along on the the bowl game against Louisville. Uh, nothing's been disclosed about what exactly was the cause of that, but you know, it's a little bit of a red flag uh, when guys are suspended for bowl games. You never like to see that, but it could also be something that you know acts as an epiphany for him, where he says, "Hey." It's time now. I need to start honing my craft and really focusing and and pushing forward. Uh, Mike, you were at practice yesterday. I know it's just one practice, but did you see anything from Olsen? Did he, you know, were the players rallying around him? Uh, did he, he look bigger, stronger, anything like that? He, um, you know, he's not a he, he's tall, uh, so he's not, you know, a, a bulky kid. So, you know, he didn't put on twenty pounds of muscle or anything over the. Uh, over the off season, but he, you know, he's not an outcast. But you know, I think, you know, I think Ryan Williams has been groomed to be the starter this year, and I think the players are have kind of fallen in line with that. Um, from what the coaches were saying, as far as you know, they're grooming Ryan Williams to be the leader, which makes me feel that. They, from what they see, you know, that's the way it's going to play out. Now, you know, I'm not saying that he's terrible or can't make a throw or he's a cancer or anything like that uh, as far as, you know, Olsen. But I just think, you know, Ryan Williams is probably going to be the guy this year. So, um, you know, I think they like the way he makes read and, you know, how quickly he delivers the ball. I think... Golden said he was about seventy percent or so um, yesterday. So you know, I think there. I read that quote. Until, Mike, just to cut you off real quick. I read that quote when he said he's about seventy percent. Is he talking seventy percent completion percentage, seventy percent developed, seventy percent ready for Completion percentage. Sorry, yeah, it's okay. the completion percentage for the day. He was sitting on uh, you know seventy percent of his passes. So you know that's a pretty good number. Just a quick update for uh, Kings baseball fans out there. We're up one nothing heading to the bottom of the second versus FSU right now. All right, excellent. For those who haven't followed, Miami has split the first two games that are three-game set with number two FSU. 
I believe they lost 10 to 2 yesterday after winning I think 5 to 3 on Friday night. Um one of our newer writers, Barry Robinson, is going to be covering them for us this year, so so keep an eye on that, and we'll try and get Barry on this podcast sometime as the season progresses. So, all right, guys, uh, great information on the Kings. We've covered football. We've covered basketball. I know you guys are new to the podcast, but this is usually about the time where I switch to just general sports talk, and we can reference back to the Kings if we need, but something I really wanted to bring up because we kind of foreshadowed a quarterback controversy in the making, perhaps this year, perhaps next year, between Kai and Olsen. Scott, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is your all-time favorite quarterback controversy in the NFL? Oh, God. My all-time favorite quarterback controversy in the NFL. Now, if you need us to skip you, we can. My 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 favorite one would probably have to be David Woodley and Don Schrock, only because you had a great coach who had two decent quarterbacks, but not one good one, and they seemed to to make it pretty far. Um, Scott, you're going old school on us. I, I, if this uh, <laughs> if this uh, podcast makes it to some senior citizens' homes, somebody might know what you're talking about. <laughs> Hey, 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 Shrouds is on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old, guys. All right, so, so Charlie, since uh, Scott brought you into this, what's your favorite all-time quarterback controversy? Well, I think if you look at recent, I mean, I don't know if you'd call it controversy, but the whole Peyton Manning going to the Broncos, you know, leaving, you know, Indianapolis, then then bringing Andrew Luck in, I think that's, you know, to me it's kind of a quasi-controversy in that, you know, here's a guy who was your franchise. He got you a Super Bowl, and they kind of, you know, turned their back on him a little bit. Um, to me, that was one of the more intriguing storylines in the NFL the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't really go wrong between Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, and you know they chose youth, and uh, it's it turned out well for them. I think had Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl uh, and not got blown out by the Seahawks. Uh, Indianapolis might have, just for a split second, thought twice about the direction they went. But uh, I think they're very happy with Andrew Luck. Uh, Mike, how about you? What's your all-time favorite NFL quarterback controversy? I don't know how much of a controversy it actually was at the time, but um, going out to uh, the 49ers when Terrell Owens was out there and disgruntled, and clearly just trying to get under the skin of uh, Jeff Garcia when he said that uh, Ken Dorsey was the next, like, Joe Montana. (laughs) (laughs) Just trying to uh, troll, you know, his, you know, current quarterback by saying the backup was, like, an all-time great. Uh, That that made me laugh. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously things didn't work out well for – Dorsey out there. I think he ended up getting replaced by Alex Smith. But um, as far as called, you know, quarterback controversies, that that always makes me giggle thinking about that that comment that he made. And for our listeners, if you're not familiar with Mike, uh, his pseudonym is Dorsey. It is on our site, and uh, living up to his name, getting a Ken Dorsey reference in here. Uh, I, great stuff. I, I if there's the a contest. Yeah, if there's a contest for for best way to get your pseudonym onto the podcast, you win it, my friend. (laughs) Yeah. My my all-time favorite uh, quarterback controversy has to be, uh, I grew up in Jersey. I I grew up as a Jets fan, not a Giants fan. But uh, back when Jeff Hosteller won Super Bowl XXV with the Giants and and the next year came back and Phil Simms was healthy, uh, just – just the division it caused among people in the New York and New Jersey area was just great to watch. And, you know, growing up as a Jets fan, I was always jealous of the Giants' success. So, so watching people fight over whether Hostetler or Sims should start was, you know, pure comedy for me. And, uh, you know, as far as uh, my choice, since I picked on Scott a little bit, my choice shows my age a little bit too. And I was and, just uh, going to ask when you're getting your, your, your AARP card. Yeah. 
Well, I I think the people that were around for the Sims Hostler controversy are more like, you know, in their 40s. And uh, I think your Strzok Woodley controversy is like... <laughs> I mean, I, you could have done worse. You could have said Earl Morrill, Johnny Unitas in Super Bowl three, but... Um, <laughs> all right, pushing forward, guys. The next thing I'm going to talk about here, we're going to cover a little NBA. We have a lot of followers and uh, listeners that are big Miami Heat fans. Um, earlier in the season, it looked like Kevin Durant was going to take the MVP. Looks like LeBron has answered with a resounding no. Um, starting with you, Mike, I'm going to give you first dibs on this one. Uh, what do you think is the biggest storyline? Who, who's your pick for NBA champion uh, with just about three months before the NBA Finals? Well, I'm big fan, um, so as far as my main concern going forward is just uh, the health of Dwayne Wade because, you know, I think if he's you know, somewhat 100% and can, you know, go full strength through the playoffs I think, you know, Miami has as good a shot as any to repeat, so uh, watching how his knee kind of hold up through the home stretch is uh, what will have my attention through throughout the next couple months. Uh, Mike, what's the over-under on tattoos for Birdman? It, does he still have room? I think he might have, like, a few spots open on his face, but, uh, you know, there has to be a couple hundred there, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Scott, yeah. how about yourself? Uh, are you going to agree with Mike here? Is there anybody? Can, can anybody beat the Heat? I'll just ask you that flat out. I think the Heat are going to repeat again. I think they're going to pull the trifecta. Uh, I think if any team has a chance to beat him, it's going to be Indiana. But something tells me that they brought Greg Oden onto this team for a reason, and we still haven't seen it yet. I know he's getting five minutes here, eight minutes there. But they got a plan for him, for Indiana. And I have a feeling that once that, that, that series starts, they're going to unleash him, and we're going to see something that we haven't seen yet. And... Uh, I think that Miami's going to win that series. All right. Charlie, uh, you may be the only non-Heat fan. I'm really not much of a big NBA fan. I do I do follow it, but I don't have a favorite team right now. You might be the only non-Heat fan on our staff. Maybe you and Juan. I think Juan likes Oklahoma City or something like that. But, but, but Charlie, what, what, what do you see going forward in the NBA? What, how do you think this is all going to play out? Well, the Heat are always going to be in the driver's position. Just, I think, especially the way Wade's playing, the way Wade has been playing lately. I think, you know, the, I think if they can use him for 60 solid games, you know, in the regular season, I think, and kind of keep him healthy, uh, that's going to be a big key. But I think LeBron, you know, he is really the linchpin to, you know, the championship. And I think there's really, I haven't seen a another real dominant team other than say Indiana. I think it's really going to come down to Indiana versus Miami. So just, I think it's going to be a question of who's healthier uh, going into that series. Um, but just a little little trivia for you. I don't know if you know this, but uh, back in 89 when the Heat came into the league, when I was uh, the manager for the Miami basketball team, they uh, they actually used our practice facility for that first year. So I was actually uh, an employee of the Miami Heat for my senior year of college. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Uh, who... Who was your favorite player on the Heat back then? Um, probably Pearl Washington, just because he was a real character, or John Sunvold. I think you know Pearl right. was, a, was, was a funny guy, but uh, Sun, Sonny was a good guy too. You know, he was one of those guys that you know had a great you know outside jump shot, great three point shooter, but just didn't really have the speed or the defensive ability to uh, to kind of stay with the uh, the guys in the league too long, so he ended up. You know, kind of going through the broadcast route after a while. Uh, Charlie, two follow-up questions for you. One, you're a Boston Celtics fan, right? Yes, sir. All right, which leads me to my follow-up question. Any truth to the rumor that Ray John Rondo will be missing his next game to go to your birthday party? <laughs> no, there's no truth to that rumor, but uh, he he definitely got himself in a little hot water with that one, didn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah, it you know, I, I don't think the Celtics are making any title runs this year, but it it does 
bring into question his dedication and and some other things, but he's definitely he's got a, definitely a bit, bit of an ego problem, and I think he's uh, he's always been viewed as a selfish player, and I think that kind of demonstrated it. Yeah, definitely. All right, so guys, we're going to move on to our last topic of the day. Um, it's been a great show. Uh, it's been fun covering Miami. Uh, been been fun talking quarterback controversies. Been fun talking NBA. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball. Um, Scott, I love putting you on the spot. I know it's only March second. Pitchers and catchers only came to camp two weeks ago. Who's your pick for the World Series this year, and why? Well, I'm still waiting for Miami to get a professional baseball team down here. Uh, <laughs> we've been waiting for that for quite a while now, ever since the Marlins left. And um, so when it comes to, to baseball, I, I'm a Red Sox fan. And, oh, boy. Uh, yeah. And I know they've lost some players, uh, and, but uh, I think that it's going to be between them and the Yankees. Yeah, just about like nine out of ten other years. Yeah, I mean, I think the Yankees really helped themselves this year. They, you know, they signed Tanaka. They they signed uh, Brian McCann. Uh, they got Brian Roberts playing second. If he can hold up and play 162 games uh, without getting injured, which he hasn't been able to, to do in the past, uh, I think that that they're going to shore up well. I think that with the Alex Rodriguez fiasco behind them, I think they're going to have a Quiet locker room, as far as the Yankees are concerned. Uh, no, unfortunately, you know George Steinbrenner passed away, and uh, Rodriguez isn't there, so it's going to be a quiet locker room. Think about it: no Steinbrenner, no Billy Martin, no Alex Rodriguez. What do they have to fight about this year? I, I don't uh, know if they're going to have anything to fight about, but I wonder if uh, the Jeter retirement announcement. I, I know Jeter is not a guy that looks for the spotlight, but you know, kind of last year. You saw the going away farewell tour for Mariano Rivera. I don't think that was a distraction. I don't necessarily think the Jeter, you know, going away tour is going to be a distraction. But uh, I, I do think that it's going to be something that's going to be a big focus the whole year. Um, so we'll have to see how that all plays out. Uh, Mike, are you much of a baseball fan? Uh, not really, you know. I, I follow the Braves a little bit, but, you know, don't have much insight into it. Just been a fan since, you know, Glavin and Smoltz and all those guys. So nothing nothing but a fan. Okay. Well, we're going to skip over you then. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll come back to you on future topics. Uh, Charlie, yeah. how about yourself? Well, I'm also a Red Sox fan. I think it's one where, you know, they are, you know, clearly one of the teams to beat this year. I think uh, – I think also too that's that's a it's a good point on the Yankees. I think you know without the A Rod distraction and I think them adding uh, you know some quality staff to you know their roster. I think they're definitely going to be a team to look out for. They always are. Uh, they always play tough and uh, they've got you know plenty of money behind them to make things happen. You know if, if things are kind of you know gelling the right way for them late in the season uh, through trades and free agents. You know I'm sorry through trades. So I think. Keep an eye out for them. I think it's going to be interesting. I'd like to see what the Dodgers do on the uh, on the NL side, um, and it's going to be an interesting year. Oh boy, I've got two Red Sox fans not only on my staff but on on this call at the same time. I'm going to have to do a better job vetting you guys in the future. I can't believe I got two Red Sox fans on on the same call. <laughs> Maybe we should just stick to the Canes. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it, it, it's all good. It's fun, and uh, I, I like. Um, adding something a little extra to the Keens, uh, to these podcasts. It's always fun, you know, to cover a broad uh, variety of topics. And, and I think you guys did a great job today. Uh, unfortunately, anybody who still might be listening at this point of the podcast, we were supposed to have the Amigo uh, on here making his debut with us. And uh, Amigo is actually a guy that has been on the radio in Miami and, you know, has done this for a living. So it's going to be a real treat when we can finally get him on. But uh, he's supposedly uh, in his bathroom, passing kidney stones, screaming in agony. So we thought it might not be best to have him on here. Um, but we're, we're going to get him on here going soon. And, um, you know, we're going to, have, we're going to do this weekly. Uh, we had Cam do a show um, strictly about recruiting with uh, Peter Rees of Keen's Insight that went very well. So... I think so far this is going very well. 
Anybody have any last uh, comments before we close the show out? I'll start with you, Scott. Uh, I just wish Amigo the best. And I uh, hope everything comes out all right. No pun intended. <laughs> and uh, it was a pleasure doing the show with you guys. All right. Thanks, Scott. We look forward to having you on again. Uh, I'll move to you next, Mike. Any any closing comments? Uh, just that uh appreciate being on. And for those fans of uh, Figatron, the, the big linebacker freshman from last year, just wanted to mention that Juwan Young and Daron Owens, the two freshman linebackers that are enrolled early now, are every bit his size. Maybe not as ripped muscular-wise, but they're some big boys, so they should be fun to watch going forward. Uh, great stuff, Mike. Uh, Charlie, last but certainly not least, any closing comments for us? Well, first, you know, again, you know, to Larry, you know, hopefully he uh, gets through this this uh, painful process quickly. We can get him on the air. I'll be looking forward to that. And uh, just you know, one last tidbit on on Kane's hoops, but you know, they've got one slot left open for this year. I would look for them to you know, hopefully uh, land another fifth year type transfer like we did with Donovan Kirk to use that last slot and then keep that slot open for next year since we only have one slot open in, in 15. So uh, right now the priority I, 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 right here is, 50, is a fifth year. Absolutely, Charlie. It seems like that would be the one last piece uh, to the puzzle. Uh, next year's team seems pretty loaded, and uh, we're, we definitely plan on having you on here again because I'm a bit you know, of a Keens hoops guy first, even ahead of football. I, I absolutely love Keens hoops, so we'll, we'll definitely do more in the future with Kane Soups, and I thank you as well for coming on. Uh, last but not least, I'm going to end the show on this note. Um, once again, to friends, family, um, Kane's fans everywhere, um, we send our deepest console- condolences and you know our prayers and thoughts to the family and everybody involved that knows JoJo Nicholas. Um, this this episode is actually dedicated to him, and um, we're really sorry for his loss. And, On that note, guys, I thank you all for joining, and uh, we're going to close it out. Take care, Jarte. Thanks, guys. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye.